for whatever reason, I still always answer my phone when the kids call. And it's because uh, you know. The only time is when they that used to when they lived at home. I think the three girls, I think the combined was twenty six accidents, but twenty seven. And when you answer the phone, they go, "Dad, you just want to hang up, right? You just gonna, I, I can't do this. I can't do this." And I'm not. You think I'm exaggerating? I don't think that really. I don't think it's an exaggeration. But I still love them. Okay. <laughs> Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, and you're thinking, hey, I thought we left this thing a long time ago, like a week ago. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to, measure, to the measure of all the fullness of God. Yes, we did complete our series last week on roots. However, though, there is a transition. And that is, if we've got roots, what are the stabilizers? And we've talked about this. The roots are the beginning. It's the origin. But roots are also stabilizers. Of where you, Now you're on the road. Now you've grown. Now you're there. Now the storms come. Now, what are those things that keep us? grounded and rooted. We're starting a series for the next few weeks, uh, probably through the end of July. We'll see how it goes. You know me, I can extend a series in a heartbeat, uh, but hopefully we can stay on track. But it's a series on the Lord's Prayer. Roots. Stabilizer. You go back to it and go, okay, I got a reference point. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Luke 11, 1 through 4. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, this is Jesus, that one of his disciples asked and said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who has indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. They had been watching Jesus They understood that Jesus lived a life that was unusual, obviously, because they believed he was a Messiah, but they also saw him live in such a way that he did things that their other rabbis did not do. 
But here they come along, and we don't know how long for sure. Maybe I could have done a little more research, but I don't know if we could still nail it down. But here they've been with Jesus, who knows, for months, maybe even longer than that, maybe a year or two, who knows at this point, for sure. And finally they ask them, they ask him, would you teach us to pray? They had watched him. You never know who's watching you. They watched you. They watched him. As he took his time away, we see it throughout the Gospels, mentioned multiple times where Jesus gets away on his own and he prays. But what was unusual about Jesus' prayer and what they understood as they watched Jesus was it wasn't this traditional uh, uh, every morning, every evening, every time we meet here and every time we meet there, we just do this uh, a, a traditional prayer It was actually wrestling with God. It was actually crying out to God. It was actually personal with God. Over time, you've seen it prayed how many times on the battlefield, to the locker room, all kinds of places this prayer is prayed. In all, really, Christian traditions, no matter what, to some degree, how much we line up at their theology, when this prayer is prayed, whether you're from an Anglican or Catholic or Protestant, you pray this prayer and it seems to somehow or another unify you. You can be anywhere in the world, and this prayer is prayed, and somehow or another, there's a connecting point that you just really can't explain. But I put this note in here. There's a difference between saying the Lord's Prayer and praying the Lord's Prayer. There is a difference in saying the Lord's Prayer and praying the Lord's Prayer. So what we're going to do over this next six weeks, seven weeks, is take the Lord's Prayer and break it down. Did this series many years ago. And as I was looking at our Roots series and coming out of that, what are those things that need to be the stabilizers? Well, prayer for sure. But where would you go? There's all kinds of books I could send you to. There's, you know, all kinds of formulas. The ACT, it's ACTS, you know, you can work on that. There's, and, and I'm not saying that those are wrong in themselves. All I'm saying is, if Jesus says and he's asked, Lord, teach us to pray, maybe that's where to start. Maybe it's just a good place to start. So that's what we're going to try to do. The best I can and, uh, over these next few weeks and to break it down. Because one of the challenges, I think, for many of us is that when we come to the Lord in prayer, often, for most, I'm even going to guess, you go straight. If you ever go in the ACTS, it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. We just kind of skip the ACT 
and go straight to supplication. <laughs> straight to crying out. Straight to begging. <laughs> Lord, I'm begging you help me with this. Lord, I'm begging you to help me through this. And one of the side effects of that, I think, that can be detrimental to people who, who are Christians, yes, some who are not do that too, but as Christians, if we're not careful, if the only time we come to the Lord is when we're, we've got troubles, and the only time we come to the Lord when we've got anxiety, the only time we come to the Lord we come only with supplication, there is a chance we get up from that as anxious and more depressed than when we knelt down, if you will. Because we're just focused on that aspect of God helping us. The last thing I want, I don't know about you, is to go to the Lord in prayer and walk away more anxious, more troubled, more frustrated. It just doesn't seem like a good exercise to me. And I think most of us would say that. I got enough anxiety on my own. I can watch the news. <laughs> I can get on social media if I want more anxiety. I'm going to the Lord where I can feel like I'm lift, a little bit more lifted. I feel like there's a, a handing off to some parts of this and degree of that. I don't want to walk away, but if I walk away more anxious and frustrated, but if we only focus on that part. I like the words of Alex Redpath. He sums it up this way, how many people pray. He said, when we have finished our praying, we can scarcely bring ourselves to believe that our feeble words could have been heard or that they, can, they could have made a difference in things concerning which we are praying. We said our prayers, but we have not prayed. So how do we go about this? Three words I'm going to focus on today. One just briefly at the end. Our Father in heaven. Father's Day seems appropriate, right? Our. As I studied this many years ago and as I repeated this prayer many times since then with a different mindset... The word hour still kind of blows me away. One of the most remarkable things about the Lord's Prayer to me, it is not as much about do it this way. I'm commanding you to do it this way. It's really an invitation to join Jesus. Just step right in this with me. Our Father, who art in heaven. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Our, our. If you started praying and you started thinking and your mind moved to what Jesus is intending here, is that when you begin to pray, you begin to pray as if you and Jesus are in this thing together. That you are on this journey together. And Dallas Willard says in his book, Divine Conspiracy, said, accordingly, I believe the most adequate description of prayer is simply 
talking to God about what we are doing together. That immediately focuses the activity where we are, but at the same time drives the egotism out of it. Requests will naturally be made in the course of this conversational walk. Prayer is a matter of explicitly sharing with God my concerns about what he too is concerned about in my life. And of course, he is concerned about my concerns, and in particular, that my concerns should coincide with his. This is our walk together. Out of it, I pray. I love that line. And of course, he is concerned about my concerns, and in particular, that my concerns should coincide with his. This is our walk together. Out of it. I pray. Jesus wants us to see us sharing in the same spiritual characteristics that he shares in. That there is this familiar, there is this approach to the creator that we are part of this family, we are part of this kinship, we are part of this in this together with Jesus of all people. And can you imagine walking life with Jesus, sitting down with Jesus, and praying something that you know Jesus doesn't want? That your character, as you sit down with him, then going, man alive, I know that is not, I feel uncomfortable right now because I'm sitting with Jesus. Because I know he doesn't want that there. Not because he dislikes him, not because he's ready to just slap me, no, because he loves me. Because Scripture, the reason I wrote the reread re- re- the Ephesians is because it's rooted and established in love. All of this is rooted and established in love. The book, The Shack, and you, everybody's got, not everybody, but a lot of people have different opinions on that book. But I remember years ago as I was reading it, I can't remember the, the, the dad's name in the book. I should remember it off the top of my head. It doesn't matter. But he's sitting with Jesus, and, 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 and I wrote this down, and he said, Jesus in the book says, he says to Jesus, he says, Jesus, I'm lost. I feel like I'm lost. And he says to him in the, in the book, he says, you're not lost because I'm with you and I'm not lost. That may be a word for somebody here today. He's with us, our Father. You're not lost if he's not lost. And I've said often, it doesn't really matter where I'm going as long as I trust the one I am following. And I trust Jesus. Our. We're in this together. Father. Well, I'm known by a lot of names. Some I probably don't even know. Some people describe me, I'm guessing. Reverend Preacher. Brother, son, husband, Razorback, St. Louis Cardinal, Las Vegas Raiders, Phoenix Suns, American husband, G-Pop. Oh, by the way, just a side note, I was eating over here at the Biltmore the other day, speaking of being a St. Louis Cardinal fan for the last 50, a long time, okay, (laughs) 50 some years. I look up, and there comes... Walking out the doors, our poo holes. I go, got to go run that man down. (laughs) 
Dodgers are in town. I forgive him for that. But other than that, uh, ran outside, just told him. I said, I said, Albert. I called him that because that's his name. And he turned around and, and he said, uh, he said, yes. He sa- I, said, uh, I said, I just want to let you know. Because one thing I didn't want to do, a 61-year-old chasing somebody down in the parking lot at 118 degrees and trying to get a selfie. That was not going to happen. Okay, that's not happening. <laughs> but ran him down uh, out there, and uh, I just told him, I said, I, Albert, I'm, I don't want to take much of your time. just want you to know that uh, I've been a St. Louis Cardinal fan all my life, and you're my son and I's favorite, one of our favorite players all time, and you still are. And we just love and appreciate you, and blessings on you. And he gave me a knuckle bump. Thank you, brother. Still hadn't washed that hand. No, I have to. I have. But I just want you to know, because I love Albert Pujols, not because of what he did for the Cardinals, which he has done tremendous, but because of who he is, honestly, and his faith in Christ. It's why he's always been one of our, our most favorite. With that said, it has nothing to do with the message, but I'll tell you this. St. Louis Cardinals describe me. He's a Cardinal fan. He's part of Cardinal Nation. He just is. It's part of who he is. But being called a father and what's unique about being, being a father obviously is the level of responsibility you have. Like when I married Jan, yes, being her husband is one of the greatest honors in my life, but she was pretty independent before I got there, okay? <laughs> she just was. <laughs> she could have made it on her own. As a matter of fact, she could have done way better off on her own probably, <laughs> except for the kids. We got kids. But as a father, that responsibility and that dependence that rests on you, that you carry, is different. Being a father... The greatest joys in my life are from being a father. The greatest heartbreaks in my life have also been being a father. And it's mixed in all that together. But Jesus is really focusing in on here. Is that we start this prayer by father, our father, the father I know the father I wrestle with, the father I know that I'm going to do his will no matter what. Father, not my will, but your will be done. That father, we're in this together, our father. But the word Jesus uses here is not a formal word. It was the common Aramaic word which a child would address his father, and the word was Abba, our Abba. Of course, everyone used the word, but no one under any circumstances from the Hebraic or from the, from, from, from the Jewish people would ever approach God by using the word Abba. Almighty? Yes. He was feared. <laughs> I mean, we can go through the Old Testament and just kind of mark off things going, wow, okay. I don't want to be too close to him. I don't even want to, I don't, you know, don't touch that. You know, don't, you may die. You may, I mean, there's just things in the Old Testament just kind of going, wow, okay, that's not how I would describe 
the Father in that sense. You can find that in the Old Testament. What I'm saying is when Jesus comes along and says, learn this from me. When you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, approach this as Abba Father. But there is an unbelievable respect, an unbelievable, yes, fear, a healthy fear. But for many of us, one of the biggest challenges is knowing how to be a child of our Father and the intimacy that goes with that. I've shared with you before often, I don't struggle with the grace of God. I don't ever struggle with whether God loves me or not, no matter how goofbally or knucklehead I am. Because I had two parents, but let's talk about my dad, but you know I've talked about my mom, who loved me unconditionally. They set an example in front of me of what God does. And then when I came to Christ, after losing a Really, the lost decade, I call it, from 16 to 26. When I came to know Christ, if it wasn't God's grace, I can't get in. It was unconditional love. Or I don't get in. I didn't work. I couldn't have worked my way. I couldn't have worked it off. So for me, when I come to this point, it's a little easier for whatever reason because I had a father in my life and mom, the father in my life who loved me unconditionally, and when I came to know Christ, I knew I, the only way I get in is unconditional love. But I know that's not everybody's story. I know coming to Father's Day, for me, I can celebrate that and, and, and look at that as having an awesome dad. And hopefully in my own life, not living with any regrets as a father. And I don't have any regrets with the father I had who urged it, or however you want to say it, who's passed away 10 years ago. I don't have any regrets around either one of those. And I sure don't have any regrets trusting our Father with my life, which has ripple effects on me being a father. But that's not everybody's deal. I think it's Tozer who says this. I think I have it up there. What comes into your minds when you think about God is the most important thing about me. He's talking about the fact, especially as you think of him as a father. A father's love, a father's heart. An intimate relationship. That you can talk about anything. Sorry about that. N.T. Wright says, when you have the tritinitarian, I can't even say it right, perspective. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, twisted there. The Lord becomes an invitation to share in divine life itself. It becomes one of the high roads into the central mystery of Christian salvation and Christian existence. That the baptized and believing Christian is one 
incorporated into the inner life of the triune God. And two, intended not just to believe that this is the case, but actually to experience it. God is not an angry judge looking down, trying to figure out a way to condemn you. God is not aloof and distrustful of where he's out there somewhere and just letting you figure it out. He is our Father and can be approached, as Jesus says, our Father on an intimate basis. You can trust him. I was just trying to think of some things that, you know, what would some of the things about the Father from a human perspective that I think can translate to God? One is they have your best interest at heart always above their own. Consistency of who they are. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Even though we're human. Consistency of character. Isn't it amazing when you begin to follow God and you read about Him and you experience Him and you, you go through these seasons with God and you, and you rely on Him and you become more and more experiential in knowledge of depth of insight as Philippians 1.9 talks about. Isn't it amazing that you begin to see his characteristics, and when something pops up, you go, that does not line up with the character of God. That lines up with the character of God right there. And I, I've said this, you know, I don't think God's out there. Well, I think I said the last few weeks somewhere along the way where he's out there going, you know, I'm I, I just so sick and tired of you trying because you're so passionate in love with me and so passionate in love with other people. You're so crazy about them that you keep trying things. I, I just don't think we're going to get to heaven. And God says, man, you just tried too many things passionately for me because you love me. That's not what he's going to say. When we fall in love with him, we, we look for ways, for what things that line up with his character, and we try to jump in on it if we believe he's nudging us. Instead of trying to look for no's, we're looking for yeses. But we spend most of our life as Christians hoping God gives us a no. You say, no, I don't. Go, Yo, I think we mostly do. Our Father is accessible. I said earlier, if my kids call or, or Jan, if they call, I will ignore almost the rest of you, almost all of you, okay, to some degree. But if I see it's one of my kids, I try to be accessible. I just want to be accessible. I think one of the hardest parts about being a dad and I think this is when I look at God and back to the yes, those kind of things, is living in the tension of protect safety, security, and adventure, responsibility, and consequences. Is that tension of wanting to protect your kids at all costs and realizing you've got to let them go. And you got to let them have an adventure. And you got to let them have responsibility. And you also got to let them have consequences. There are times I believe that God withholds blessings because he knows it will damage us, destroy us. Our Father loves us that much. Secure 
that much and who they are. But God, you know his character. His character is consistent. One of them is you get smarter as they get older. That's just a joke. <laughs> yeah, when they look back on life, maybe, just maybe, you look a little smarter than they thought you were when they were 15, 16. Father who art in heaven, I think the reason I've loved John 10, 10 all these years is because I know there's a heaven out there in my heart and I believe it. But I know we can bring heaven here. We can live in such a way that when Jesus says the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, when he says that, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. It's not just on this other side of death. It's now. That what you're doing in heaven, your character, everything to become here. And we'll talk more about that in a few weeks. But N.T. Wright says, the second quote from him today. This God is both intimately present within the world and utterly beyond, other and different from. He is present to celebrate with his people and to grieve with them, to give them his rich blessings, and to rescue them from all ills, because he is also sovereign over heaven and earth, sea and dry land, and all the powers of this world, and even over the urgings of the human heart. The Lord's Prayer is an invitation to know this God and to share in this innermost life. So over these next many weeks, we will break this down a little more. And I hope as we begin to pray, and even as you pray this week, if you repeat this maybe every day, our Father, Jesus, you and I are in this together. Thank you for inviting me in to be a part of this. Thank you for making me feel so welcome that I can sit and share everything that I have but I also ask you, Jesus, to let me know what's on your mind and who you are. Because the more I know who you are, the more I realize who I should be. And thank you, Father. Even though maybe, just maybe, <clears throat> my earthly father is nothing like what I understand you are. I want to know that I can be intimate and you're not distant. I want to know that you love me, and you may correct me, and you may rebuke me, and you may do these things and discipline me, but it's because you always have my best interest at heart. And Lord, I just want to be begin to pray where I'm just not coming with supplication and crying out with all the mess I've got myself into possibly or all the circumstances that have happened. I'm coming to you today. It's familiar. I'm in this with you. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask Josiah and him to come.
as we close this morning. And I apologize for my mic. I did not tighten something back there today. I think is what happened. Let's do Be Thou My Vision. We'll give Wyatt a mic. Do you want him to come on up? <laughs> Won't you repeat with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a difference between saying it and praying it. Let's learn together over these next many weeks to pray it. Amen? Amen. Let's sing as we leave today.